documentaries, history, insights, interviews, chefs deep dive. And welcome to Shep's Deep Dive. And this week I've got another guest, but this one's from Down Under. He's got in touch. He's my mate Rob Matthews in the house. It ain't gonna be me. Good day, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds dead Australian. <laughs> I'm working on the accent. I don't think I'm gonna lose it now. I think I'm going to keep it oh, yeah. as it is. Yeah. yeah. Well, glad you won. And this film, which we, which we both watched, is fucking phenomenal. Can you tell the listeners what film it is this week? Uh, this week it is um, Adventures of Chris- Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Yay! This is the story of three hard-working guys. What kind of cabaret do you do? We dress up in women's clothes and parade around mouthing the words to other people's songs. Along the way, they'll discover surprises, uncover secrets. Is it true that her real name's Ralph? You actually make money by dressing up like a woman? Oh, sure. You can make a fine living in a pair of heels. And most of all... Aren't we fabulous? The way you dress... How many times do I have to tell you green is not your colour? The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Awesome. <laughs> what made you pick this film? Uh, the Australian thing, and I've always loved this film ever since I was a kid. It was on my list of weird wanks. You know, like you have, you have, uh, you have this. Then you've got. Um, you remember, like Euro Trash. Yeah, Euro Trash. Oh, the word. And Hotel Rwanda. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I saw my first pair of tits on an Oxfam advert, and I never ever looked back. <laughs> or the colours of Benetton. They boarded the line of soft, <laughs> soft porn as well, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we got, we've gone off. Let's go back. Yeah, it was 1994 <laughs> it was released. To be honest, I didn't see it in the cinema. It was on VHS for me, and it was one of those ones which... Sort of went under the radar. I didn't he- even hear about it until I got it on the VHS. Yeah, I was the same. Well, I would have been 15 at the time, and uh, the church would have been stopping me watching stuff like this. <laughs> they, <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't something that they paraded around. Apparently, apparently, um, there's a scene in it where the there's like a paedophile scene. Oh yeah, yeah. With uh, Adam talks about his uncle. Yeah, that got yeah. cut from the original. No way. Uh, from the actual release, yeah. They, they just said it was too too much. Jeez. And that was done by church groups who balloted against that. And then, then, <laughs> and then lo and behold, 20 years later, because yeah. they probably thought, oh, no, they're giving up the uh, the sort of game. It's like, oh. don't show everyone what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't, don't show our priest in the bath there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That would have yeah. been good if he would have actually said that, my uncle, the priest. I mean, that would have added a new context to it. Or my uncle who worked for the BBC. (laughs) (laughs) He's got a little yew tree in a pot plant. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I get it, I get it. (laughs) When the, do you know a bit about the production? Do you know how it was filmed? Do you know who who they should have got or wanted to get? Yeah, I've got all of the notes. I've made lots of notes, mate. 
Have you? Jesus Christ, man. So when it when they was putting the film together, it was one of those ones where it was um, how how do you get the budget for this film? They had a lot of struggle, didn't they, to get even the money. Even the Australia yeah. film company didn't even want to back it. Yeah, I heard that they they paraded it around Cairns and they, they were really struggling to get it. And then eventually they got funded by the Australian Film Board, I think. Yeah, but as a as a provisor that uh, uh, only one non-Australian would be able to be yeah. in the film. What's all that about? What's all that about? Those sort of things exist at the moment. So it exists in China right now. So you know, you'll watch all these like crazy films. Uh, what was the old, was it called? The Meg. The oh yeah. One? Oh yeah, and yeah. it just had Jason Statham in it. Yeah, and then you got the one with the skyscraper, and it just had the rock in it. Oh right. So they exist all they exist around the world because it's meant to be uh, like an injection to uh, sort of give employment to the local people, and then only one foreigner is allowed to be in it. Oh, let's have a look at the uh, cast. I've got David Bowie. Shut up! I didn't read that, did he? Yeah, they originally wanted to have David Bowie as their one English person. Oh, wow. But um, they just did the scheduling. They couldn't get the schedule. I don't know if he would have been all right in that. He might have been all right as the older one or something, but he's a, he seems a bit too straight. Yeah, yeah. But then again, when you look at uh, Tevin Stamp, uh, back catalogue of stuff, he sort of comes across as the, uh, the ad man. You know what I mean? He, he was really popular in the 60s and 70s, and then you've got him as um, uh, Superman, Zod. Yeah. You know I mean? He does camp it up a bit in Zod, though, don't he? You can tell he's, he's a bit camping up there. So you can The stop. whole Superman was camp. Where is it? The, the, the black rubber suit, what he's wearing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you can, yeah. I, wouldn't, I still wouldn't have pictured him as that, but they did ask, uh, was it Tim Curry as well, I heard? Yeah, that was him as was, well. Was, did he, he ask him got, for Bernadette? Yeah, he was going to be, and they wanted, yeah, I th- no, I think, was he Twink? Or whatever his name is, Twink. Twink. <laughs> tick, Tick. Tick. <laughs> That's the one. There's <laughs> 20 Twinks watching it, I think. <laughs> what was his name? Mitzi Del Bra. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to work them out because I thought they were all like, um, I thought they were going to all be plays on words and I couldn't work out Mitzi Del Bra. I was like, what's that? What's that meant? What play on words is that? It sounds like a shit place in the south of bloody Spain. And then Bernadette Bassinger, I thought that would have been like Kim Bassinger Kim or Bassinger, something like that. Definitely, definitely must have been that, was it? But then you've and got... Then the Felicia Jolly Good Fellow. <laughs> oh yeah, that's the one. <laughs> that's the play on words I was looking for. <laughs> well, the cracking days. I bet. I bet there's some drag artists out there who's ripped them off and they're using them in Manchester or something. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I've been to the pub where it was all filmed. Really? Yeah, I've been there loads of times. It's the Imperial. It's literally about ten minutes away from me. Oh wow! Is it's it a here? But it, it, made, no, no. it makes it look like it's a bit of a dive, that place. It used to be, right. but now it's like, it's really done up. It's one of those places like a nice restaurant during the day or up until about six o'clock at night. Yeah. Then they clear all the chairs away and leave a few at the front. It's like a cabaret thing. and. Ah, right. So yeah. they, do, they, do they just mainly 
uh, run along with the fame of um, Priscilla Queen of the Desert? Is it all over the fucking place? Oh, it is a cabaret bar. It oh, was before. Right. They just continued to make and and people make like homages there from all over the world and stuff like that. Oh, they're quids in there, aren't they? Yeah, they're laughing their heads off because it was a dive, and then this kicked off, and then you've got poor money pouring into it, and then now it's just got rainbow flags everywhere, and yeah, I've been there a lot. Do you, do you, the, get, uh, do you get up? Give him a twirl. Yeah. <laughs> oh, for me to do a twirl would take bloody an hour. <laughs> Alright, sorry, I've, I've got us off topic here. Go on, Terence Stamp. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they got Terence Stamp as, as uh, Bernadette and then Hugo Weaving. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't want him at first. He was, like, unknown. I can't even think of a film what he was in before then. Now, no. he's fucking Matrix. He's famous for what? What's he famous for? Matrix, Lord of the Rings now. But before this, I can't think oh, of anything. Oh, was in that? Yeah. Oh, right. I've yeah. got him as Babe Pig in the City. <laughs> Mr. Smith uh, Matrix, uh, Lord of the Rings, some elf, and yeah. um, Red Skull in the Avengers series. Yeah, and Megatron, voice of Megatron. Oh, is he? Yeah, in oh, Transformers. But before uh, this, which must have kicked his career off, um, I can't think of anything, or I haven't seen anything he'd been in. I've not seen anything. I think he was in a film with the same directors, but that was called Fraud or something like that. That was the one that was before this. And the only one uh, for Guy Pearce before this was uh, Your Neighbours. At least in the UK, that's all I could think of from. Neighbours and Home Alone, was it? One of them. But then this, a, was fucking, he, he's done the best out of this. You reckon? Yeah, he's been in tons of stuff, hasn't he? LA Confidential. Yeah. He but, was in Hurt Locker with Hugo Weaving. Oh, right, yeah, of course. And then he was in... Um, his career Nailed just it. went boom after this. What about Memento? Memento. That's a messed this up is, film. I was, yeah, I was thinking this might be a prequel to Memento because there's a bit where he takes a selfie with a Polaroid. Oh, yeah. And In, in Priscilla, and I was thinking this might be the prequel to Memento. So then he wakes up and he sees a Polaroid of him dressed as a woman and he's like, fucking rip that up and goes mad and starts killing people. <laughs> you know what? I wonder if someone could do a mashup on that and put it on YouTube. That, that'd be good. <laughs> you always get them yeah. fan ones, don't you? Someone would just mess it up. Someone would hear this now and go, oh, I'm doing that. I'm doing that mashup. Yeah. <laughs> like when he gets punched in the uh, face when he's, he's taken the pills in that small town. Yeah. That's him getting knocked out, and he gets bleeding on the brain after he gets back to Sydney and ends up in in LA with a, a bunch of Polaroids. And he's also his sexuality's gone out of the window, and he's disturbed with himself and just goes. <laughs> That's it. That's it. We've just sold Memento. It was already fucked up that film. <laughs> this is a new uh, dimension. I, I was just started showing Memento to the missus, to the wife. And she was like, it's the same film over and over again. I said, that's, yeah, it is. It's the genius of it. Yeah. It must. They must have just literally filmed 20 minutes of film and cut it up. Yeah. And that's it. And it's, it's brilliant. But I love that film anyway. But you have to get through the first 15 to 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Before it starts to become good. So you have to stick with it. Did you know that or it, when it came out on DVD, there was an embedded option on the DVD to watch it the other way around? 
so you watched it actually in order as well but that still didn't make sense when you watched it so guy pierce i reckon you're probably right he has probably done the best in terms of quality films but hugo i reckon probably for how many films he's been in that are high budget yeah yeah he's He's in happy feet as well Oh, well, once you get to things like your Pixar stuff or your Disney stuff, you've, you've definitely made it in it. If Once you're voicing stuff, you end up like Tom Hanks on bloody and everything, don't you? A lot of the crew actually appear in the film, but they're hiding yeah. underneath clothes within the background. Ah, because that that's funny. Small Is it coach, on purpose? Well, the small coach was that tiny, and there was, yeah. there was trundling along to give, you know what I mean? So there's not much special effects as in make it look like it was trundling along. So they hid yeah. behind everything. Uh, yeah, they were saying that it was so hot in that truck that the clothes all melted together. Yeah. <laughs> they actually melted together and they had to, like, separate them. Oh, I can't imagine yeah. something that bit, that hot. But in Australia, have you been to the desert side of it? No, I've not. I've not done a road trip yet. I would like to do one. My mate just did a road trip. So my mate Carl, who I moved over here with, he he come from, he's from Sale, yeah. over that way, and uh, we moved over together pretty much. And um, he did a motorbike ride from Sydney to Perth, Whoa. which takes about you know it's like two three weeks or something like that. Two three weeks. A, yeah yeah yeah, because Australia is massive. It's a five hour um, plane trip from Sydney to Perth. Jesus. Perth's it's apparently the most isolated city in the world. As in, like, Perth, the nearest city is somewhere in Asia or something. My God, that's crazy. But in the middle of Australia, it's just, like, nothingness, is it? Salt desert. Yeah, it's a big rock. So, like, so technically the, um, the how would you call it, like, the indigenous people own yeah. the land yeah. in the centre. So they wouldn't allow um, this film to be um, filmed on that rock. Because it went against their religious rights, as in, like they didn't. It went against their religious beliefs to to have crossdressers on Uluru on the Ayers Rock. So they had to change the end of the film to them being in that Kings Canyon or whatever it was, because they wouldn't film on the actual Uluru. So at the beginning, when it goes, um, was it cocking a frock on a rock? Oh yeah, yeah. That was originally meant to be Ayers Rock, but they had to change it to, uh, I think it's King's Canyon or something like that. No. So that was another production problem. So could they not just pay someone off? There's always someone to pay off, don't they? I don't know. I think it's a religious beliefs thing, so... Uh, it's I mean, mad that, isn't it? And then you get you get in the in the UK, you've got all these churches everywhere, and the church around the corner from your mum and dad's is uh, St. Augustine's Church, which was famously painted by Ellis Lowry, right? And uh, oh, right, my yeah. school was next to it. And then we heard about this production team, and they was filming something in the church, yeah? So all the kids was yeah. like, oh, wonder what it is, wonder what they're filming. And my teacher was like, oh, it's so it's a film, it's going to be me for Channel 4. Anyway, they used that that church was like a soft porn scene. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> and the vicar was just like, got his money, walked away. So you see how, how it's different. Like the, yeah. the original native people of, of Australia, like, it ain't going on that fucking rock. Over here, it's like, give us some money. Shoot your pawn. <laughs> it's really unusual for priests to turn a blind eye to things, isn't it? I'm sure he would have been sat in the back watching it. I need to be there, like, all the time. <laughs> I need to be watching it. 
He's just got the giant thermometer on the side of the building for a new roof. He just goes out and puts a new red square. Yeah. While, while watching them. <laughs> We're closer to our target. Hey, did you hear, um, like, you know the Hugo Weaving uh, character? Yeah, yeah. That, that, that was originally going to be played by Jason Donovan. Really? Oh, you could see that. You could sort of see that. Yeah. And Jason Donovan actually got the part and turned up for filming. And the way that he was treating the cast and crew was so bad that everyone said that they wouldn't work with him. So he got turfed. Fuck. Well, that's a big name to turf him off. It must have been really bad or rude. Well, at that time, yeah, was he going through that period? Remember when in the UK, he was in the UK a lot within the 90s. Oh, and he was probably be off his tits on drugs and all sorts. He was always, like, heralded as this, like, cocaine fiend and everything like that. I remember that. And he broke up with uh, Charlene. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> went for, a, went for a tough spot. <laughs> yeah. So he's probably there going, I'm not fucking dressing up like this. It's like, but that's the whole film. Don't give a fuck. I'm Jason Donovan. Off you go. That's the thing. That, t- that takes a lot, though, for a small independent film like that to turn away someone who's probably iconic as Jason Donovan at that time. He yeah. must have been a right twat. Yeah. But he, he's done the uh, musical. Really bad. Well. He's done the musical, hasn't he? He's been in the... Yeah, he ended up being in the musical after that. Yeah, because it's money, isn't it? That's funny. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Colin Firth was also ahead of uh, Hugo Weaving for that spot as well. Oh, I can't see him. I couldn't really see him in it, yeah. When he was younger, though, in those, like, was it Pride and Prejudice days? Yeah, but he just... When he was Darcy. Comes across a bit of a too much of a snooty toss, doesn't he? He does, actually. Yeah. I heard as well, um, Stephen Elliott, the director and obviously the writer as well, didn't actually want Guy Pearce first because he thought Guy Pearce was too pretty. Yeah, I read that as well. Too much of a pretty boy. I have never in my life had anyone say to me, I am too pretty. But you see, that's the best thing of looking like a fucking cross between Shrek and Rooney. You ain't going to be called, you're too pretty. <laughs> I could have been in that film. I could have dragged it up. <laughs> if anyone ever said that you was too pretty to me, yeah. I'd go, oh, mate, that'd be out of order. <laughs> I know that it wouldn't be real. <laughs> <laughs> if you was in my oh, company, you'd be like, don't take the piss out of him. <laughs> Come on. He's not all there. <laughs> yeah, I heard that. It won an Academy Award in the end. Oh, no, that's for, that's for later as well. <laughs> well let's, there, then. Let's, let's have a look at the film then. Yeah, the film, the story yeah. itself. Yeah. So it starts off, and you've got uh, you introduced to um, some of the main characters. But the main turning point of this film is like the fact that they just want to get away from uh, Sydney. You know what I mean? T- uh, yeah. uh, Tig's had enough. He thinks this this place isn't good now any, anymore. It's full of. I think he even says what we've said in Manchester. It's full of um, you know um, stag parties and Hindus invading. Uh, the drag acts and this cabaret performance and then you've got Bernadette who's had a bad time because her is it her lover passes away doesn't he yeah Who, yeah that's right yeah it, it's fixating and peroxide <laughs> doing his hair or something <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and, and, and the fucking funeral there, and he's got everybody just dressed up. You can't, and it's, it's trumpet, trumpet. That's his. His nickname's trumpet, isn't it? You got a trumpet yeah, playing. Yeah. It's like there's moments in this film you're not sure should I be laughing because I fucking am now. <laughs> it's just so funny. <laughs> I laughed at the whole thing. It's, I think it's it's a sweet film. It's a lovely film actually. Yeah. It's a really sweet film. I don't think it's it's technically not about crossdressers. No, no. It's kind of like it's kind of like people that are kind of stuck in society doing the same old rigmarole over and over again and just thinking, you know what, I'm going to get away from this and then encountering people that they don't usually encounter on a daily basis and and essentially also displaying that kind of Australianness of you know, if you can have a laugh, no one really gives a shit what you are. Yeah. Well, it's a good attitude. I think that's what it's... And it seemed to... Uh, it resonated with me, because when I watched it, I watched it again. And um, you're similar to me. I moved down to London, didn't I, for six years, worked down there. And you do, you meet your mm. different people. You want to get out from the trudging of, of Manchester. You came up from London, you moved to Manchester, you moved to yeah. Australia. And I think those people who's had that movement in your life, you can certainly see parallels within this film. It's like, I've had enough of this, and the grass is always greener. That's the thing, isn't it? Grass is always greener. Yeah. He actually thinks, it's going to be better elsewhere. We're going to try it. We're going to give it a go. Even Just though it goes it, full yeah. circle, doesn't it, really? So it won't be long until you're yeah, back in yeah. London. <laughs> <laughs> back in Manchester. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's kind of and then And there are three different characters as well. You see, you see Hugo is... Uh, sorry. <laughs> What's her name? Del Ticks. Tick. No. Tick. Tick. Yeah. I know, but I don't want a dead namer. Uh, Mitzi Del Bra. <laughs> <laughs> Mitzi Del Bra. Yeah. <laughs> Mitzi Del Bra. Uh, yeah, she's kind of the glue. <laughs> I might need to rephrase it. <laughs> she's the sticky, this is the white sticky stuff that holds. <laughs> yeah. She's the uh, she's the jam in the sandwich <laughs> of um, of um, old Felicia trying a good fella is one extreme. Yeah, yeah. And you've got the other extreme of Bernadette who's kind of been through it all and it's like I've calmed down. I don't need to go through all this anymore. And so you've got three quite different characters going on this sort of road trip. And I think it sort of sets it up for a kind of, you know, almost like misfits. Yeah. Who are misfits with their own misfitness. It's, it's, that makes it's sense. A, it's, a, it's a classic tale of a buddy movie, isn't it, really, at the end of it? Yeah. It's a buddy movie going. And it's usually at the beginning of those buddy movies, it's either the characters did not really that knowing of each other, and then they become bonded together with... Uh, sticky back plastic yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's it yeah so the, the film starts off pretty cool they're in, you can tell that they're kind of done with life in yeah, Sydney yeah. when they're doing the cabaret act in the um, in the Imperial Hotel which is the one that I told you about and then he gets a uh, he gets a beer can thrown in his head yeah that's it that's his last straw he's like that was it I've had enough of this now They've got some great lines in this. At that point, he goes, "Do you know why this? Uh, do you know why this microphone's got such a long cable? It's so that I can find, uh, so that I can pull it out of your ass after I've stuffed it in there." <laughs> <laughs> and the guy who threw the can, yeah, he's the guy who designed the um, bus 
and the cars for Max, uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Shit. Hmm. So they used a lot of the cast members within, like, um, audience parts or participations in them. Save on the budget. Yeah. So the, yeah, the film, the whole film cost 1.6 million, and they made 19 million. Which is a massive hit, really. That's a, that's a yeah. good hit. Even even though, like I said, it, it it like fell under the radar when it came out. It was mainly when more famous when it hit the VHS. You know what I mean? And uh, Manchester Pride, they used to do showings of it, didn't they? I've got to get some space. I've um, been asked to do a show out of town. It's nice. Well, why don't you come with me? I'll need some help, and I think we could both use the break. After at this point. Tick's thinking, right, I've had enough. I'm going to get my mate Adam. I'm going to get Bernadette together. And he wants to go to... Alice Springs, yeah. Alice Springs. That's in the centre. I've got friends who've got family there, but it's a long way to go. There's not much there. Yeah. There is just the Ayers Rock is there. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so that's when they're on the bus. And yeah. they go, right, I'm off to... I'm going to I'm gonna be a cock in a frock on a rock. And that's kind of the dream that they leave with. A desert holiday, let's pack the drag away. You take the lunch and tea, I'll take the ecstasy. Fuck off, you silly queer, I'm getting out of here. A desert holiday, hip, 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 hooray. I know, yeah, Bernadette, that's when you start seeing how much of a grouchy old cow um, Bernadette is. She's like, well, you two, shut up, you're like two fat slags at a pie bake off. <laughs> And she warns him, don't she? She goes, no talking about, what was it, drugs, disco, and bloody ABBA. So, yeah. uh, that was it. Well said. <laughs> but it is, it is a character piece for us to enable us to understand these different uh, characters and how they interact between each other. Because then they, fir- they first drop off at the, like, little, like, yeah. little village. Lo- looks like Crocodile Dundee came from or something. Yeah, it's Mario's Palace. That's it. And they drop off. Mario's, and he's there. That's just before that. You find out that Hugo Weaving is married and he's got a wife. Yeah. And he mentions it on. The... But he doesn't mention he's a got big... a kid though, does he? They just keep it. No, he leaves that. But he does. Uh, Spoiler Adam alert. Adam mentions it, doesn't he? he just, oh, what you got to tell us next? You got a kid? Oh, this is all silent. That's it. Oh, I was going to say that Bernadette's primary function, I think, is not to make the whole transvestite transsexual scene a joke yeah i think he's meant to be a serious member of it to go yeah we are flamboyant and all that but bernadette does represent us in our kind of private life in our you know like our our seriousness to this choice in that we've made in our life yeah because if it was just them two abbering it up the whole time you wouldn't take it it wouldn't mean as much i think yeah that's that's a good point so it's they shows this isn't just um a thing we do for show, this is our lifestyle, what we've adopted. You know what I mean? And even yeah. though Adam's still like his, his off his face at this point, he's not, he's not, it comes down to earth a bit more uh, within the film, doesn't it? But um, at this point, he's still like a child. Even like he's, he's still living with his mum. He got the money from his mum for the bus. In her eyes, going on yeah. this bus trip might straighten him out, she says. <laughs> <laughs> But Bernadette's like, like you said, is that bit where you could see Adam progressing to that point. I think he sees himself. That is the future. Oh, for goodness' sakes, get down off that crucifix! Someone needs the wood. 
and then they they go into they walking down the street all dolled up and then they walk into that bar and it says that yeah. great line to that woman who has a go at them oh yeah when she goes uh light your tampon and blow your box apart because it's the only bang you're gonna get fucking amazing line i don't know women young enough to use bloody tampons these days <laughs> i know a few men who use them or a woman who hasn't already had her box blown apart. <laughs> most of them is all gone they, they, they start knocking yeah, back the so shots that. then fucking hardcore bernadette and at this point you think oh my god she could drink She's just drink after drink and she's knocking her back and she's getting like the respect from the locals as well. And then um, yeah. Adam Guy Pears drops in her real name, which is a massive thing that you shouldn't do. It's called dead naming. She'd never dead name someone. As in, there is actually a process with which these people go through where they go, uh, Ralph. I now kill that person and I'm now Bernadette. I didn't know that. I and so to use their old name is it's called dead naming, as in that using their dead name. Oh. Right. And you should never do that to a person who's transferring. I, I never <laughs> Trans- knew anything about that. So when I watched it, the film, I was like, so she said the name. I don't, I don't get how we, why she's getting kicking off about it. Because it yeah, it's such a big, like, it's a big process. It's like a, it's like a finite end to that person i suppose mentally they set themselves up to go I have, i'm no longer that yeah anyway we've got we've gone off let's let's go back let's get back so they've got they've got yeah, this trip so, they've, they've gone to the pub and drinking lots and then well they've had they've had aids fuckers go oh, home yeah. written on the side of their bus which at that point in the film like we um, being from manchester there's got a very large uh, gay community uh you've from London, but you lived in Manchester as well. And when yeah. you're growing Reason up, I moved there. yeah. <laughs> and then um, it was quite touching at that point. At that point up to there, it's a laugh. The film, you're laughing and joking with it. Even the funeral part's a bit of a laugh. But at that yeah. point, the even the music stops. It stifles. It goes silent. And you sort of hit in the face and go, you know what? These poor bastards have to put up with this shit from yeah. cunts in the world. And then you're sort of thinking, wow, that's that's pretty hard. It's backwards as well, especially from a country which in England you'd see Australian, you'd think it must be really open there. It must be really, like, uh, open-minded people, you know what I mean, to, to be acceptable. It's the same. It's the same as... Um, it's the same as everywhere, really. So, like, if you go to, like, Burnley or something like that, yeah. I've just chose a place out of my arse, yeah. right? I can imagine you can go into like a suburb of Burnley just as a woman, and they're not gonna—you're not gonna be left alone. Yeah. No one's. The, I always think the person who gets angry enough to want to hit you is the guy who is most repressing himself. But oh, God. that 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 part of the film when you see that and it's like, whoa, this is real now. Because I think at the same time you have uh, Philadelphia came out around the same time in the um, mid '90s, didn't it? So I probably yeah. would have seen that around the same time. So we had that was probably a lot of people's first seeing of uh, AIDS on the big screen of Hollywood and made by Hollywood, which is highly unusual as well. So that, having that as an effect feels like it's changing for them, and that, that bond yeah. that sort of bonds them as well because it's that common bond that they have to put up with this shit from these people. It's funny, you know. 
No matter how tough I think I'm getting, it still hurts. Oh, so then that leads to the iconic scene where they're on the bus and then he's in the silver outfit. Oh, yeah. And it's all flowing behind him and stuff like that. I thought that was a dream at first. You know, like a like they were dreaming and they'd fallen asleep on a bus? Yeah, you can imagine that. But it's good. Yeah, I've read about the filming of that. So usually the desert is completely dead of air. So there's no wind or anything like that. It's just pure sunshine. And it's like they get gusts every now and again. And they were trying to film it and they'd spent their budget for the day and blah, 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 blah. And they'd been up for ages and Guy Pearce was burning to death. And then all of a sudden, just through some sort of act of God, they had a gust of wind that lasted for maybe about five, ten minutes, and they got the shot, and then they could go home. Oh, so luckily, God. that just sort of randomly happened. But how random for it to be placed in the film? Because when you think about it, it's like, uh, how are they putting that up there? <laughs> how are they getting that up there? I don't know. <laughs> so you know, the inspiration for the whole film, for the director yeah. or the writer was that he was walking down Oxford Street, which is the equivalent of Canal Street in Manchester. Yeah, yeah. Oxford Street here. So it's like the the road where everything's rainbow and yeah. like every pub and sex shop and sauna and everything like that. And um, so he was watching down it and a uh, feather had fallen out of a, um, a crossdresser's like wig or something like that, or like hairpiece and was floating down the road. And he said, I saw this feather... It was just out of place and colourful in amongst all this, like, kind of grime and greyness and stuff that the road has. And he said, wouldn't it be cool if I took that kind of colourness yeah. and then I pushed it out into the desert? So oh, that was the whole, right. film, the whole film. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But it's kind of nice thinking, good. yeah. Yeah, so that's the really um, iconic scene. And I got the really big sort of silver and dress. And also the music at that point as well completely changes from disco all the way through it, and it comes quite an operatic number at that point, isn't it? It is opera music at that point, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm not really sure what the opera music means. I'm sure it probably has some, you know, connotations to what it was trying to convey. But I, I don't know. Maybe it's kind of like that scene in um, Philadelphia, you know, Shawshank Redemption, which one? And he's like. And for that moment, everyone in the Shawshank was free for that moment. I don't know what that woman was singing, but it was the most beautiful words I'd ever heard. Or something like that, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. You know, when he you... into the thing and plays the music. Yeah. So maybe it's meant to be like, this is so out of place that you're meant to disjoint yourself from the rest of the film and just have this moment with the person. Ah, uh, right, yeah. I thought when you went to Shawshank, I thought you meant that bit where he says, sometimes he could fight him away and sometimes he could <laughs> I'd like to tell you that the sisters didn't fuck Andrew Dufresne. <laughs> Sometimes he could fight him off. <laughs> Today was not one of those days. It was his birthday. <laughs> you, can see, you see Andrew Dufresne walking around with one of those donuts as Robo Donuts. <laughs> Yesterday was a bad day, Red. <laughs> Let me put a bit of opera music on. I feel better now. <laughs> he's like what the fuck are you doing narrating me getting raped why don't you join in and stop them <laughs> why are you just filming this <laughs> yeah I've just got raped you fucking stand there going oh this is one of the days he doesn't fight them off there's a reason why that guy's called Big Red he had a go as well <laughs> he was in there <laughs> oh Felicia 
Where the fuck are we? Their coach breaks down. They're in the middle of fucking yeah. nowhere. You know, it's so painfully hot, them type of places. Uh, you haven't got any phones out there. You know, just like random phones, like on the highway or something. Nah. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a population control thing. You're stupid enough to be out there on your own and you're dying. Really? Do not do that. <laughs> Probably. Do, do not do that thing like out of Crocodile Dundee where they get a bit of uh, wood to the stick and you start spinning it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and a roundabout prisoner just turns up. <laughs> yeah. Hello, Mick. Did you call me? He must just be sitting there the whole time. <laughs> oh, Mick needs me. <laughs> I love how Australian his accent is, but when you actually do meet like Aboriginal people and everything like that, their accent is super Australian. Is it? Like, yeah, like Mick Dundee Australian. It's really good. I like that. Right, get to that to Phil. <laughs> get back to Phil. That Phil. Yeah, sorry. It, yo, they're stranded in the middle of Australia on the way, and Bob turns up. Bob the mechanic. We like Bob. We like Bob. Right, Bob. We like Bob. But Bob's um. You know what I mean, he, you can tell he's got some suppressed sexuality within him. He's, yeah. he's been laid back, especially for someone uh, out in the sticks, where, like you gave an example of, uh, you know, uh, suburbans, uh, uh, white folk, working class, you think there'd be primarily a lot of uh, homophobic. He's not. He don't give a shit, does he? Uh, he's he's down the rabbit hole that one. Yeah. I love I love when they pull up in the coach and then there's a dog there and he goes, "What's the dog name?" And he goes, "The god dog's called Herpes. <laughs> if it's good, it'll heal." <laughs> Afternoon. What seems to be the problem? Bob's come along, and oh, it's the one of the best scenes in in it where he takes them to his house because he, he knows yeah. he needs to fix this truck of theirs and he needs to work on it and he invites them home to his house and they get to meet his wife. Yes. <laughs> Which you know what? This is the bit I found weird. This is a bit I also found a bit like, um, are they themselves being racist, putting a stereotypical view on this Filipino, is he Filipino uh, woman? I'm going to get a tie. Is it she tie? Yeah, I've been to I've been to Thailand and they have uh, ping pong shows there. Oh, wow. oh no, I've given away the bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's God. weird because in Thailand, they I think they put loads of like glue or something on the ping pong balls because they were hitting me and sticking there. <laughs> <laughs> I, come out, I look like I had a bubble out when I come out. <laughs> At first, was you not catching them with your mouth? Like, you got one. Got one. Do get a prize. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, so this is what a woman tastes like. <laughs> What's cream cheese that? Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird that his name was Bob, and he had an Asian missus. <laughs> I was saying, I was just looking at my wife, going, "Oh my god, this is this is weird. This this is it's a parallel. I'm Bob." <laughs> does she does she right. does she not do this? Did she not do the same show? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, she met me when I was doing ping pong shows. <laughs> Which is funny because you'd think when you meet a hanger, she'd work in a takeaway. No, but no, it was me. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> do you think, I know there's, there's, uh, when I was researching this, there's a few different things on, on Google when you do it, that, uh, would you think that some people would find this bit a bit racist, a bit close? 
Or possibly because they they are looking at her to say, well, she's a Thai bride. Uh, she must have worked at the set place. But apparently there was a there's a um, review which I watched on YouTube, and a guy had went out to the community asking people about what they thought, and they just thought it was hilarious. They just thought it was that it might have been stereotypical, but it was just fun, and it shows that that woman's strong enough to be empowered to go fuck you and then she ran his life not the other way around and i mean she took the option to go away yeah whereas the reality was she duped him into marrying her exactly he he took the responsibility and said okay looks like i'm taking you back to australia because bob is just generally a nice guy yeah he looked after her fed her clothed her and everything like that and then she broke free and she acted like no wife should act <laughs> down the pub. All his mates loved it. And, he was dead popular with his mates. I know, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Bring your wife, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love it when when they go into the pub. He he turns to them and he goes, um, "These are the sort of places where women don't wear frocks; they wear corrugated iron." <laughs> but that that bit of a do they do there the the three of them when they're on the top of the bar dancing it's yeah. fucking awesome i was like oh yeah this is a top tune they're loving it and then there's silence in the entire bar you just don't yeah, appreciate it, it do they shake your groove thing shake your groove thing yeah <laughs> it's a brilliant tune isn't it the whole soundtrack to this <laughs> film is phenomenal yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. It's all disco classics. A lot of remixes oh, in there as well, which is great, isn't it? It's just old yeah. tunes as well. For you could, um, they've done new modern takes of the old tunes and put older ones in there to represent Bernadette as well. Yeah, of her time. And I, I like the cool bit when they were when they were doing the Aborigine dance because I think it was I Will Survive. Oh, and then he turned it into that Aboriginal version. Which I, I, I wanted that one on the soundtrack, but it's yeah, not. It's the cool. original, um, um, you know, I Will Survive. So the only way you can get that, they never released it, is to footage, footage it and MP3 it from uh, YouTube. But that actual track, I don't understand why they've not released that. It's brilliant. And then he gets up and starts dancing himself. <laughs> but then, I thought he was going to go with them but also did you also not find that they were more accepting of of the three than the white working class guys in the villages these yeah do you know why right I sorry they wrote it that way because in the same way that um, the the um, the three guys are kind of persecuted in a way. So are those Aborigines oh, in Australia. Right. So it's a common bond. And so it's more kind of like we're a common bond for being persecuted. Right. But if you think about who allowed them to film where, you can probably see yeah. where the real persecution lies. Yeah. As in, there's no there's no Aborigine group of people who are sitting around enjoying the gay people dancing. It's uh, yeah. That's not happening. You're not allowed that for religious beliefs. And did you not find yeah. it a bit odd that... Uh, Bob has decided to lock away all the ping pong balls. Like, why keep them anyway? Why fucking keep them? Is <laughs> <laughs> that his like, bit of sport? He's like, come on, love, a fancy bit of table tennis. <laughs> I didn't think about that. It's like, why I can keep imagine them Bob, anyway? Like Bob in uh, Bob's like in Forrest Gump, where he's just 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's his exercise. <laughs> yeah. He didn't even think of that. He could have just got rid of them. He could have just got rid of them, yeah. Threw him out. <laughs> just... Or maybe he allows her out once a year to perform. Maybe that's, that's then... where he gets his money. Because it's not obviously a rich community where he lives. <laughs> yeah. I don't like you anyway. You got little ding-a-ling. So where we where we are where we are. So uh, she's doing a ping pong show. Uh, she's left him, and they start to drive away with the idea of going it on alone. And it instantly breaks down, which is which is sort of needed to carry on a different narrative with Bob involved. And he jumps on board. Yeah. He thinks wicked. Yeah. Round a bit of this. <laughs> yum. Having a sandwich. yum 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 <laughs> so jumps jumps on board and he... bob couldn't wait to get on that coach i felt like when bob was there waving him goodbye before it broke down he was thinking oh i wish they invited me yeah and then i can't even play ping pong now <laughs> he's like yeah i come with you and he'd already set up a drink with the lads for when he got there already already he already had his bag ready yeah, yeah. yeah, I reckon like, yeah, he rigged up that to break down after two minutes of driving. I think it's it. Definitely, yeah. rigged it up. And then he goes to that another mining town, which um, uh, this is the one where he, Bob, turns around to him and says, look, you got to fucking watch yourself here. And he's quite blunt with them, isn't yeah. he? Like, I suppose... I suppose we would be to someone else if we'd taken him somewhere in the outback, like, I don't know, some, some parts of Wales or somewhere, and just say, look... We're going to have yeah. to calm it down here. I know we're fucking loud, but we might get a red kicked in by these. <laughs> and then they go out here. But Adam, being the carefree soul, decides to pop a couple of these. I know, yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of when I first moved to Liverpool. And uh, and they said, and, and I didn't want anyone to listen to my accent. So I used to go to kebab houses at four o'clock in the morning after being out on a piss and do a scouse accent. And I mate, can I have a two dollar kebab, please, mate? Because I, I didn't want anyone to cave me in. <laughs> that was back in the day, right? When I used to go into um, uh, sort of kebab houses, right? When I was at my fattest. And I used to order, but pretend I was ordering for my girlfriend as well, but I didn't have a girlfriend. So I'd go, oh, can I have one dollar kebab, please? And oh, what was it my girlfriend wanted? Oh, yeah, a large pizza, please. Right? And so, yeah. I'd everyone in the queue. And sometimes I'd pretend to check my phone <laughs> and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, and she wants mayonnaise on it, right? So I used to do that. <laughs> so I'd done that for like the last 10 years. So even when I was in Manchester, I was doing it, right? And when I was living in West Didsbury, I actually broke up with my girlfriend at the time, like four days before. And I was doing it in a... And someone behind me that I didn't know was there went, oh, Rob, you've got back with her, have you? <laughs> and I was like, I was like no, 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 we're not. I'm just buying her food. Oh, shit. And then I had to explain to him <laughs> that I was, I was making up people to buy food for. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Right, back, back to Phil. Back to Phil. Back to Phil. <laughs> so Adam's done a couple of pills. And then... Yeah gets himself ready even though the other two told him to stay in the hotel knowing that he's a nutter and um, he goes and sees all the lads having a, having a drink and he, he ends up in a bit of a nasty confrontation doesn't it? at first it's quite funny because you think the lad's going to laugh it off but again you like you says anyone who gets to the point where they you know want to turn to some violence I'm definitely suppressing something yeah the problem with that is that 
And I don't know if it's because I know who he was because I've watched the rest of the film. Yeah. And if you'd just shown me that scene in isolation, I might not have known it was a woman. Yeah. But well, even then. <laughs> so what? <laughs> but I was on the assumption that everyone in that party knew that it was a bloke walking through in a frock. Yeah. Right? Because it was a bloke in a frock. Yeah. It's right? muscly. The guy's got the guy's ripped. Oh, Guy Pierce can knock the fuck out of anyone in that place. <laughs> right? He had a six pack and everything. It was like, right, Guy Pierce has got it. And I thought everyone was going to have a laugh with him. It was going to be another one of those moments where you go, well, people ain't that bad. They can yeah, have a exactly. laugh. Like a, like a um, full Monty type thing. It just accepts him for who he is and that's it. But the, the, the guy yeah. just kicks off. You feel, whoa, what's going on here? I've not seen that before. And then he runs. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> he runs past the window, doesn't he? Where Bernadette's having a, having a nice meal. <laughs> That's a great yeah. scene how they've done that. How the camera just pulls away and you see him running past like a Benny Hill comedy sketch. And there's nice. people running after him. <laughs> and then uh, Bernadette shows how fucking badass she is. Because she'd seen it before. She's been through that shit. She's yeah. lived through it. She's been through probably a lot harder times where it wasn't even accepted in places like the big cities in Sydney and places like yeah. that. And um, Yeah, so, so Bob... Uh, um, you think he's going to let them all down. Yeah. Because there's that moment where Bob's like chasing after and you think, oh, Bob's going to not say anything. Yeah. And then they go, he hits him and Bob does it. And then he goes, no, don't touch him and covers them up. Yeah. And you're like, yes, Bob is a nice guy. Because you think for that split moment that Bob is going to just let them all down. But uh, he comes through. And that's when Bernadette turns up. And then he's going, fuck me then, fuck me then, fuck me then. And then she walks up to him and knees her in the bollocks and goes, now nah, you're fucked. Yeah. Right. Oh, but she even does the hair as well. She swishes her hair back, like to say, finished, done. And then Adam, Adam's has a bit of a breakdown, a nice close, like a tender moment with Bernadette in a hotel. And like Bernadette's like saying, you know, you have to become hard to this thing. You know, this, this shit out there, you you just have to become hard to it. Yeah. It's, it's more... Be a bit smart. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he just get a bit more grounded for at least 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah, and then there's that moment where you see... They go back on the train uh, bus again, and they're out of there, and then you can see that Bob and Bernadette get a little bit closer, and then you're going, ah... Oh. I know there was something there, but now I know there's definitely something there. Definitely. When everyone goes to bed and they stay outside and they go, Bernadette didn't come home last night. <sighs> yes. <laughs> and you see, I don't think you're meant to imagine what happened. I think you're meant to go, oh, that's a cute moment. But I was going, oh, so how did that happen then? Yeah. <laughs> like, who went where? Bernice has left her cake out in the rain. And so he meets his wife, doesn't he? Well, ex- is he still his wife? Ex-wife. I think it's still... I don't know. I thought they were still married. Where he turns up at a casino, which, by the way, was called Lassiter's, which is the name of the hotel in Neighbours as well. So I don't know if they're meant to be linked. Oh, right. I wonder if there's... Do you remember they go, oh, Phil's, Phil and Paul. Paul owned Lassiter's that and Phil it. would work in a coffee shop at Lassiter's. Yeah. Because I could... I wonder if it's a... So I don't know if it was a homage or something like that. Oh, that would have been good to find. I bet it is. I bet it must be some kind of connection. Maybe he'd worked on Neighbours himself. That's how we got the idea. Yeah. Or Lassiter's <clears throat> is a brand, and I don't know about it. <laughs> so, and then they, yeah. uh, he meets his wife and his son. Yeah, that's a surprise. Bernadette faints. 
But it collapses. Yeah. <laughs> of all that, that time, that's to me that was a bit where it was a bit of a letdown because Bernadette comes across as, you know, a bit of a double-eyed bastard. She's seen it all, but then she faints to the point that he's got a kid. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like I've seen the worst of the worst. Shit up a bloody wall. <laughs> I've seen dead people. I've seen everything that you can imagine ever could happen in a cubicle. <laughs> And I've seen a kid, and I've passed out. <laughs> it's like, it's like, um, uh, you know, some kind of sketch where whenever she sees a kid, that's the worst thing ever. But she could go and fight white working class lunatics, boot through the shit of yeah. Sydney. You know what I mean? Her own partner died and wasn't even crying or fainting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it was a tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, those fainting goats. When you clap, they pass out. Oh, it's just like that's. She's a fainting goat for kids. <laughs> At a school, she just has a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> so they they're there, and uh, his wife says, "Right, you're gonna put on a bit of a show for us." And the show they do is probably the, one of the, the best cabaret performances in a film. And they show the whole lot as well, which is good, doing to the tune of Finally. Into Finally? Yeah. Who sang that? Was that C.C. Pedersen? Yeah. No. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's, well, it's a tune, that is. It's a brilliant tune. And they interlace the performance with scenes from uh, Australia as well. It's really funny because it's like a homage to Australia, right? There's like, you've got an ostrich. So they've all got big ostriches yeah. on their head. And then they're dressed as the coronavirus. You see that? (laughs) They saw it coming. They saw it coming in 94. (laughs) And then she goes to the side and she falls over and you think, oh, this is a disaster. And then it turns out that a lizard had eaten her and it comes out as a sand lizard. (laughs) This is Australia in a nutshell. (laughs) But nobody appreciates it. No. It's like if they did one for if they did one for Manchester, it would just be like a burnt out car performance with a load of curry and a big reefer at the end. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, and that's when another good line comes. He goes, Drag queens drink from big glasses just so it makes their hands look smaller. It's probably true there. You know what I mean? It's a good it, joke. It, is, it is probably uh, observational truth there. Because you, when you do go around like Manchester and that, you've got the huge cocktail classes and, you know what I mean, making the hands look small as well. Because I've got huge hands. My hands are like a uh, fucking shovel. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, they are big. <laughs> <laughs> I've got really big hands as well, but they look small when I'm holding the cock. <laughs> Mine's the opposite. <laughs> Look even smaller when I'm holding my wife's <laughs> Alright, so we, we come to a, quite a good point here where um, Tick has uh, quite an emotional, tender moment with his son. They go out, don't they, to the rock where they want to be. Supposedly Ayers Rock, like he says, they weren't allowed to use it. And... Um, you know what I mean? They're, they're there, and he's dressed up like, a, like his version of a stereotypical straight man, and he's trying to come across like he's so straight. Until his son, like even Bernadette and the others say, "Just be yourself." He'll accept you for who you are. And his wife says that. And then his son, you know, it's really it brings a tear to the eye. His son says, "Um, you're gonna have a boyfriend when we get back home." And you think, "Oh fuck, man." 
What a cool kid. You know what I mean? He doesn't give a shit as long as his dad's happy. It's so well you, written. You find out what the film's about at that moment, don't yeah. you? You, you realise that he's completely repressed. Yeah. He's never, he neither confirms or denies he's gay throughout the entire film. He's, uh, there's a there's a moment where um, Felicity... Felicia... Felicia Goodfellow. <laughs> Felicia Goodfellow. Um, there's earlier on in the film, she says, um, you're not putting up any numbers. So now this makes sense. Ah, right. To As indicate. in when he reveals that he's uh, got a wife. So I've got a feeling that he's repressed himself. He hasn't come out and he hasn't told anyone because he doesn't want to be judged by his son. And I think that is the moment where he all of the problems of his life just get suddenly released from his shoulders. Ah, that'll explain it because Felicia, she she takes the piss out of him a number of times about his him uh, not having a boyfriend, not going out with anybody. Yeah. Not like, you know what yeah. I mean? He's, he's not a bad, good-looking lad as well, so he could easily pick up anyone, and uh seems like, yeah, so I never saw it that way, so yeah, that that really resonates, yeah, I can understand that now. Yeah, and I think that was the release, and that's where he started smiling, and it was like, yeah, my son, I can be myself now, my son loves me, Yeah. my wife, get on with what I want to get on with. Is she, is she a lesbian, his wife? Yeah, because he says that mummy had a girlfriend and she got sad when she doesn't have a girlfriend. So daddy will be sad when he doesn't have his boyfriend or something yeah, like that. It's such a lovely moment to think that that's how people should be accepted just as long as people are happy. It's almost like it's almost like the writer wrote the ideal outcome for the world at that moment. Yeah. yeah. So now they get to do the um, cock in a frock on a rock. And this is yeah. like this is like um, just before the epilogue of the film, isn't it? This is like the last chapter of the film now, and then this is like the final piece what they wanted to do, and they climb up that bloody rock, um, looking pretty good apart from they got the Doc Martin boots on. You notice that they're not wearing heels. Did do it hard. I would have done it with heels. They ain't as hard as me. <laughs> me and my Robbie in a cocky <laughs> with the heels on. I would have been done it. They couldn't be asked to put the uh, I'd, I'd have, I'd have not even left Sydney and just superimposed myself on it. Yeah. What happened to Adobe Photoshop? Well, we did it. It never ends, does it? All that space. So what now? I think I want to go home. Get back. So we're right near yeah. the end. Right near the end now. So they've. He's been accepted by his lad, and you know, like you said, that's a massive turning point for the film. It seems to be he's happy now. He wants he could go home, call Sydney home for once. He thinks that's his home, I think. And then um, yeah. they've done their last performance, and they're just about to get on a bus. And why didn't Bernadette tell him just before they like literally getting on a bus back home? She left it to the point where they managed to tell him the night before, say, "Look, I'm not going to be there tomorrow, lad." Do you know what I think it was? It was kind of like Wizard of Oz for me. Yeah. So all three of them were going to be satisfied by an outcome. You know, like Tim Mann wanted a brain, or uh, Scarecrow wanted a brain, Tim Mann wanted like heart, uh, a heart, those sort of yeah, things. Yeah. Hugo went on his uh, Hugo Weaving went on his journey because he wanted, you know, to meet his son and his wife. That was his dream. At the beginning, it was the dream of um, Felicia to cock in a frock on a rock. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That was his dream. And uh, the dream for Bernadette was to find some sort of peace. Yeah, some sanctuary. I think, yeah. 
And I think Bernadette didn't want to ruin it in any way by jinxing it, so I think she kept it to herself. And then for some reason, Bob cemented that for her, and she was like, I, I think I might have found peace now. And she was happy to... Uh, I think she was taking on the role for uh, the wife. She's going for on holiday, isn't she, for a little bit? So she's yeah. going to become the manager yeah. of the place. Turn it into mm. a nice nightclub or something with Bob. Bob a job. Bob a job, man. He's going to be helping her. Bob. Who, by the way, in real life, Bob would be a raging alcoholic, right? And and not even that well-functioning, because every time you see him, he's got a beer in his hand. <laughs> and you're like, he's actually an alcoholic. This is a really not good relationship. <laughs> he's he's uh, He does like his tri- tipple, don't he? But it comes across just such a nice, mild-mannered, uh, genuinely, um, you know, sensitive guy. And it's yeah. took him to this point of his life to realise his dream as well. You know what I mean? Rather than just being put on all the time, you know what I mean? And hanging around with people, even he, like you said, at that point where he protects them from those dickheads trying to fight them. He'd grown up with yeah. those dickheads. He'd seen those dickheads. He drank with them all the time. But at that point, within only knowing them for a few days, he'd realised what he'd really wanted. So, yeah, yeah, each one of them has their story and each one of them is and it ticked off. Yeah, and, I feel like that's, where, that's the perfect ending for me. Did And then, that was the, and then the, they go off back to Sydney and uh, they do a, a beautiful uh, ABBA number, brilliant number, Yeah, uh, both singing together. And it's, it's left in your head. Do actually Tick and Adam, are they, are they a couple then? Or are they just mates? I don't know. It seems to be in I, the air to think, you know what, they could suit each other. I didn't even think of that. I didn't make that connection. I thought I saw it as a purely business transaction. Yeah. As in, when they got back, they're now more joined in their uh, their performances. Yeah, yeah. They've for it, so I saw it as sort of that. But I don't know if they were meant to actually be together. I just think he was more sort of tuned in with his son now. Yeah, and it was nice that his son was at the cabaret as well, at the place. Yeah, and if you notice, the the lighting had changed. So the initial view of the Imperial pub, of him at the beginning singing, yeah. it's kind of dark and dingy. And at the end bit, they'd lightened it more up a little bit. More isn't it? More like... Yeah, yeah so it's almost like a, a rebirth or something like that towards the end of, of what they really want to do in life. And then right, right at the end, you've got this uh, synonymous with the fact that Tig just used to get a great smile and that finishes the film. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect as a film. And then for years, even recently, as part of I think 2017, 2018, um, Hugo did an interview with someone and they mentioned to him, he said, will there be a sequel? And he said he's always up for it. But would a sequel work? I think it might work now because they're older, but you'd be chasing for the gags, I think, wouldn't you? They're all become Bernadette. Yeah. And I don't think there's as much of a stigma attached anymore. What they would have to do is create these straw man enemies. Yeah. You'd have to make out that the whole population hasn't progressed any anywhere, and that they are still, you know, back in the dark ages. Exactly. But in reality, I think a lot of people. I mean, whenever I see quite a lot of transsexuals around, and the music I was into when I was growing up was hard house, so I went to a lot of gay clubs. Yeah, yeah. I went to like trade in London and stuff like that. Times have moved on so much now; it's more and more acceptable, especially like in yeah. England 
things like in England around the uh, you know the late 90s so you had Priscilla Queen of the Desert you had um, also Queer as Folk which did massive across the world as well um, and these things broke down a lot of barriers as well so it became more and more acceptable not only that is is this uh, spurned on the Broadway hit musical as well so you got a massive hit yes. musical out of it which is it's done phenomenally well. It tours all over the world as well. It was in... Sorry? Sorry, I was going to say, we need to mention that this film eventually went on to win an Academy Award. Oh, yeah, yeah. For uh, Best Costume. Best Costume, which... Yeah. Which I think, when I read about it, was one of the first ones or something not to do with any sci-fi or horror genre. It was like a, yeah. a contemporary film to win. yeah. So in that in that era, the year after was Braveheart. Yeah. The year after that was English Patient, and the year after that was Titanic. So I mean, to have all of those films, to be named with those films must be yeah. kind of epic. To them films, it would have cost what 60, 70 million upwards. Made with a budget for the costume was they said it was like fifteen to twenty thousand dollars. Even in Australia. Oh, by the way, Bob. Yeah, Bob a job. Oh shit. Yeah, he did pretty much nothing. I've I've looked through and I've asked some of my Australian friends. They don't even know any of the films that he's put out after that. Thank you, thank you. It's good to be home. So. Rob, we've come to the end of the podcast and we've learned about the production. We've learned about ourselves a lot. <laughs> we've learned about the film and we've learned that Australia seems a fucking nice place to be living in, especially now. Nice and hot. As we're leaving, mate, if you can, do you have a song in your head which would go well with the film as a closing credits or a song from the film? Okay, I feel like the film that we should go with is Times Like These by the Foo Fighters. Oh, nice one. I just feel like times like these, we've progressed on along from when this film was out, and uh, times like these are good. Yeah, yeah. And uh, social distance, don't go near anyone. Yeah, don't go near anyone. Don't go hugging that many people now. So thank you very much, Rob, <laughs> for joining in. Really, pleasure listening to you. Hope we can do it again sometime. Pick any film, we'll do it. Definitely, I've loved it. Thanks, nice mate. One, mate.
Sounds like these time and time.